I don't listen to my daughter's vagina anymore, but I do shop on Amazon. And when I do, I use dollamore.com slash Amazon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Happy Independence Day, America. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 423, this 4th of July, 2018. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, and I'm joined today by the celebratory, beautiful, scholarly, talented, Brittany Page. Happy 4th of July. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, one of Jesse's many, many pet peeves. It is a pet peeve. Well, it's, it's along with people thanking me for my service on Memorial Day. Mm hmm. It's a little, the holiday isn't 4th of July. The holiday is Independence Day. Yeah, it is a a, a little shitty thing to whine about. But like you said, uh, I got a lot of things I like to whine about. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was funny because you uh, retweeted a Donald Trump tweet and he said, he did he say happy 4th of July? Yeah, something about that. And you corrected him and said it's Independence Day and kind of um, took him to task a I little shit, bit. I shit in his mouth like I do. Yeah, and people were like, listen, Jesse, I don't like him either, but this is going too far. <laughs> Come on. Well, first of all, I can be a dick to Trump whenever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. It's me just giving the guy a ration of shit. Yeah. It's not like he's going to see it. I'm blocked by him. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's calm also, down It's not out like there. it matters that much, really. I mean, it's just a dumb tweet. Yes. Calm, come on. Calm down. Yeah. So. Or well, maybe I should calm down. Every, everyone should calm down. Just uh. everyone. Everyone calm down. So it is. Today is the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Just before noon. Uh-huh. Are on you- the <laughs> west coast of America. And... Um, this is a, it's an interesting holiday because mm-hmm. it is kind of about patriotism, remembering our, our past and our founding. This is the day that people often, um, say that the, the declaration of independence was signed, but that actually happened in August sometime. But today is the day that we celebrate declaring our independence from the crown, from King George, uh, from the United Kingdom, from Britain. And, uh, Listen, we are the longest standing, the oldest at this moment, the oldest democracy on the planet. And that includes Greece. Everybody says, oh, no, it's Greece, Greece. It's not Greece. They, there was a period when they weren't um, a democracy. We are the longest standing, or I'm sorry, I keep saying that. We are the oldest democracy on earth right now. Mm-hmm. I, it's in jeopardy. <laughs> Very much so. But, uh, you know, that is something to celebrate. That also, is something to be proud don't of. Don't laugh when you say that because yeah. it's actually serious. Yeah. And many scholars are saying <laughs> that we are taking the little baby steps in that direction. And um, people should be more concerned about that. So I think it is important. I'm seeing a lot of posts about it. Happy Independence Day. Oh, look at me and my shirt. Like, oh, yeah. that's great. But also, um, there's like <laughs> really, there's shirt. really serious things happening. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think we still continue to talk about that. In fact, I had someone post uh, something that was very critical of the country and talking about Donald Trump. What? And yeah, and uh, she got a little bit of pushback for it. And they said, well, listen, you live in this country and you're able to express that opinion. You have the freedom to do that Yeah. Um, without any negative repercussions. You're not going to go to jail. You can you can say whatever you want about Donald Trump and everything's going to be fine. And it's like, yeah, 
both of those things can be true. Absolutely. You can criticize America for the many flaws that are currently um, (laughs) evidence, right? And you can also recognize that there are positive things about living in this country. Um, So criticizing the country doesn't mean that you hate the country or that you don't want to live here or whatever, uh, that you're not loyal to the country. It just means that you want it to be better and we should all want it to be better. It's recognizing things that can change. Yes. For sure. Well, what I'd planned to do with this opening segment before Brittany fucking fucking dropped the bomber bomb on us. I wanted to talk Sorry. about the four, like the Fourth of July. What happens mm-hmm. last mm. night? I, I wasn't noticing uh, the normal amount of insane fireworks. Well, they're illegal. The day leading up, yeah, right. Yeah, that really stops people. <laughs> Jesus, it, it is funny. Like when there's like random sporting events, people always dip into their stash of fireworks. Yeah, in our neighborhood, I think that happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. But do you, you have any memories? From like Fourth of July that stick out in your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I there from a few years ago there was one. It was when your best friend Katie was in town, mm. and we had dinner mm-hmm. in Huntington Beach, looking over the beach yeah. in a restaurant, like on the on the second or third story of a building, looking over the beach and had just an awesome view of the fireworks. That's a memorable one for me. Yeah, there are several, but you you have uh, mm-hmm. any you'd like to share with the class? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Well, when I when I was younger, the Fourth of July was a big a big day in the Page household because and there was in- explosives involved. Yes, so <laughs> my dad loved fireworks, and we would drive to, I think it was like Parma or something, Parma, Idaho, to get the illegal fireworks. Yeah, yeah. and the ones that shoot up in the air and explode, and um. I don't know what those are called. Whatever you firework aficionados Bottle are. rockets. Uh, no, like the mo. Oh, the mortars. Mortars. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And which are 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 illegal in Idaho, except for you can buy them on Indian reservations. Okay. I grew up on an Indian reservation, so okay. we had fucking all kinds of crazy fireworks. Yeah, so there must have been an Indian reservation in Parma or something. Yeah, that's um, right. And there was this big store, and we'd go in and. It was weird because we were poor, but my dad spent a bunch of money there. <laughs> um, and everyone in the neighborhood would like come out to watch his fireworks show, yeah, which wasn't yeah. like a continuous thing, like a professional thing, because um, it was primarily my brother lighting the fireworks. And then I was usually armed with the hose and responsible for like rinsing off the fireworks and then putting them in the trash. It was a really fun day. Yeah, um, for you. Yeah. A lot of work. Um, <laughs> but... My, I remember one time the day after the Fourth of July, we had a neighbor come over. Is, is that the fifth? Yeah, the fifth of July. <laughs> the fifth of July, <laughs> and we had our next door neighbor come over, and he came to the door, and I remember like standing behind my dad because I could see that he was holding a an empty Cool Whip um, container, and it was filled with fireworks. The neighbor, yeah, like used fireworks, and apparently what happened was these were all of the fireworks that were in his backyard or on his property somehow. Oh yeah, and that, that you that your dad had lit off. Yeah, and I think if I'm remembering correctly that it even like burned through something or damaged something he was alleging, and so he brought this over and was saying this to my dad. And my dad just like hits the bucket out of his hand. God damn. And probably tells him some naughty words and then slams the door. <laughs> you That's know, prick shit, bro. Because he's a That's prick shit. good person and neighbor. Um, And so that was probably the most memorable Fourth of July experience that I have from my childhood. <laughs> There's always a Britney Page. <laughs> Shitty raised by wolves story uh-huh. surrounding pretty much any holiday, I think. Yeah, but most of them are funny, right? They're funny. Probably wasn't so funny um, for that guy. No, I mean it's funny now to think about it. Well, you have to laugh, or then you'll be depressed. No, so you have true. to like find the humor in it. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I, I don't know. I've, I've had some good Fourth Fourth of Julys, um, like the 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 fireworks. When I worked for the Senate mm-hmm. one year, we actually went up on the roof of the United States Capitol. Is that allowed? Um, yeah, for the office I worked in. We kind of had our run of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, watched the fireworks over the mall in D.C. Nice. From the roof, which was fucking... 
the most memorable, awesome thing I've done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's completely awesome and legit. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, as a kid, we used to go camping. Um, camping. You know, I, I dropped the G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I heard that. We used to go camping <laughs> like, a full, like a family reunion mm-hmm. up in the goddamn woods out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was always, you know, a lot of fireworks that we probably shouldn't have been. There was not a lot of supervision. Mm. You know what I mean? I, looking back, I don't know why how I still have my digits on my fucking fingers and shit because we uh we were allowed to do whatever the fuck we wanted. Yeah. Yeah, you see those articles making the rounds around this time about um the number of hospital visits in each month due to fireworks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are some in like February and March. There there's there's some in every month because uh, apparently like you said people just randomly go to their stash in their garage and decide to celebrate some random thing that's happening. But it's crazy in July. There are many, many hospital visits because of fireworks. So be careful if you are lighting off the fireworks. Do not stand near them. And if you're listening to this today before you do fireworks and not tomorrow after the holiday. Just anytime. <laughs> if you decide to do it on Thanksgiving, yeah. wh- whatever. Just be careful. Yeah. Light it and run away. And again... For all you Americans out there, happy Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Not happy Fourth of July. Mm. God damn. <laughs> so last time on the show, we talked about Brittany's aversion to spiders. And mm. I say aversion, that's a mild way to say her her crippling fear, her, her incapacitating fear mm-hmm. of spiders that she sees as tarantulas when they're <laughs> little spiders. Anyway... You admitted that the one that we talked about last time was so large. So I don't remember doing that, but we have a call. This is unbelievable. Someone called in about their story from childhood about spiders. Hello, guys. Chris from Tennessee. Calling to tell you a story about uh, my buddy from summer camp. We were up at Big Ridge State Park, which is a park near me. And uh, we were, you know, doing workouts with the kids. We had 91 campers and... It's time to, you know, cool down for the night. So my buddy went to go shower, and I was about to go to the next one over from him. And these little big handicapped shower things that they have, little private, you know, shower houses. That's him, not me. I see his door slam open. I see a broom, he's like hitting the ground. And I walk over, and I see a plunger. I'm like, okay, paint me a word picture. What the hell am I seeing? So he tells me the tale of, he's in the shower, he's getting his stuff out. He looks up and he sees, as Brittany described as a gigantic, you know, uh, spider. So he grabbed the closest weapon, which was a uh, plunger, and he goes to hit the uh, big-ass spider. So he hits it, crunch, yay, thing's dead. Except now's the part that's going to haunt Brittany's nightmares. This spider had babies on its back. No! So when he hit the thing, it crunched, and all of a sudden... Bunches of spiders come no. pour off the back of this thing. I asked him if he left the room and came back in again so the little spiders would be despawned, but he didn't. He said that didn't work. So instead, he goes and grabs a broom, and he is sweeping and hitting and trying to kill these little tiny spiders for a good solid ten minutes, trying to make sure he kills them all. And, of course, I don't ha- help matters much. I just kind of egg him on. Like, I think I saw one crawl near your foot. But either way, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be nightmare fuel for a lot of people, especially when you hit a big old spider and babies just fly everywhere. But anyway, I thought I'd share that funny little story. But anyway, have a good day. Yeah, that is um, horrifying. and That nightmare fuel. Yeah, uh, that would be a difficult situation to survive. To survive. Just the stress level that would... (laughs) occur with that kind of situation that would be pretty traumatic coma slash heart attack slash Mm -hmm. again incapacitation yeah well and i remember when i was younger um my instance with the spider my brother was torturing me and he had me and he was trying to push my face against the wall and there was an orange spider outside on the house an orange one yeah and it was huge and he was trying to push my face on it and i had my i had my legs and my arms on the house and i was like no like pushing back against it as he's trying to shove my face onto the spider 
I finally got away and then he chased me for what seems like in my memory a mile (laughs) and he finally got tired and stopped chasing me but it was pretty traumatic I remember as a kid living in Missouri because we moved around like we're fucking vagabonds Mm -hmm. Um, living in Missouri and being out in the we had we lived in this place with this giant barn filled with hay and there was these spiders that were like yellow and black like big big ass spiders and we'd we would throw grasshoppers and shit into their webs and watch them fucking go crazy really and and like wind up the the grasshopper in the in the spider web oh no and uh i I just i'm fascinated by them they're they're for sure scary as fuck yeah you know yeah they're too many eyes too many legs like you don't know where their (laughs) teeth are it's a whole scene going on i get it yeah it's part of the part of the mystery is what makes them terrifying i think they're they're mysterious flies are equally you know no they're no just because they don't bite they're pretty freaky too you know um they're freaky in a gross way like if they land on my food then that food is no longer food (laughs) that food is now their food that food is no longer my food. You know what so, I'm saying? They're aggressive. They're just taking stuff. <laughs> so uh, we have thanks for the call, Chris. We appreciate it. There's another call um, also from the South of America. And this is something I forgot to mention up front since today is the I- Independence Day. It is the 4th of July. Um, Alex Jones mm. tweeted, and I posted it to the page, that apparently today's, I didn't get the fucking memo, but today is the, the, the day for the, the second Civil War. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Meg from Arkansas. So I've seen this thing floating around social media that the, uh, the Democrats are planning to begin a Civil War on July 4th, 2018. Um, I'm recording this on July 3rd, 2018, and I just found this out. So, I'm really going to need to know why y'all didn't tell me about this, because I, and if you did tell me about it, I forgot to write down what I'm bringing on the sign-up sheet, you know, fans, uh, torches, water bottles, you know, I don't, I don't remember what I agreed to bring, so if you could get back to me on that, that'd be great. Um, but we're planning a civil war? What? Why? Did we not learn anything from the first one? That uh, it doesn't really pan out the way one side wants? Or any war for that matter? So uh, if you could get back to me on what I'm supposed to bring and uh, where I'm supposed to be, that would be great. Anyway, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye! Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. This is obviously hilarious. Because Alex Jones is a fucking moron who who tweeted this and when it doesn't happen who, who you know his followers are idiots anyway but think about this though there's certainly a percentage of his audience that are whole up right now in their homes worried about the start they are they are trigger happy ready to roll at the first notice that the civil war has started started by the democrats that's a fucking scary thought Now, it's not the preponderance of his audience. It's probably not even a sizable amount of people. But there are most assuredly a number out there who are are actually preparing for the eventuality of a second civil war. This is a narrative that they're desperate. It, It goes hand in hand with the government's coming for your guns, people. Just bizarre. So I, um, I, I don't think it's hilarious. I really don't care at all about it. Um, if I had it my way, Alex Jones would just like be ignored. That's kind of how I feel right now. Hmm. And I, I don't know if I'm just, uh, not in the mood to even deal with him. Like I understand that he has a large following and that we need to, um, talk about it but when someone is just so i mean it's almost like he wanted to get attention for it because there's no other reason that he would make such a strange um proclamation like he just wanted to get attention for saying this right and it worked because he went viral with the hashtag second civil war but what's the benefit how does it benefit him that it went viral 
it just puts his name out there and gets him in front of people and I I, I, mean, I just don't see how that's a benefit. His name's already out there. Because I can't logically explain why Alex Jones would <laughs> <laughs> make uh, a certain decision. Uh, that doesn't mean that... I'm not prepared! <laughs> I'm definitely not prepared, but... Um, do you get what I'm saying? Just because I can't yeah, explain yeah, yeah. what his logic behind his decision making would be um, doesn't mean that there is something motivating him to do that, um, that just we don't really understand. It what. is the perpetual question, which is, is he just an asshole who is a carnival barker and wants attention or does he really believe some of this shit? Like, even if it's just a fraction of his wacky bullshit, that's that's a damaged fucking idiot you know what i mean yeah and i guess where where i'm at is i'm wondering what can we do so so the larger thing for this second civil war is what you just talked about the people who believe him the people who follow him and the people who get all riled up and the people who voted for trump because of him so what can we do to <laughs> stop that influence or somehow i think it's laughing at him I do. I think it's laughing. When 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 you tweet it and you you make a joke that come on dude, civil war, come on. I, I think that takes away some of his power because to the people that love him. Yeah, I think so. Because if you if you make the the joke an obvious joke, come on man, there's not going to be another civil war. You know, people are going to feel shame like, "Oh yeah, that's ridiculous." Hmm. And if you don't, then you're not going to change their minds either. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I mean, I would hope that they would change their minds or or see the light. But kind of like what happens with Donald Trump, where you insult him and people get upset. Yeah. How, how dare you insult my president? How dare you insult my guy? It's almost like they double down. So I, if someone has ideas about... Oh, we'd love that. I, I would be interested to hear them. Figure it out for us. Yeah, figure it out, please. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I think we have an email. Yeah, I, I just want to say I'm scrolling through his Twitter feed right now, and it's just... Alex Jones? Yeah, it's just so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. But you know what is uh, positive... He has 830,000 followers. Tippy top shape. But that's not the positive thing. But some of his tweets only get like 900, I mean, 98 likes. Really? Yeah. So I wonder if some of these are fake. It, it has to be. Yeah, I only have like 3,000 followers on Twitter and I, I I have tweets that have 98 this likes. This one got 98 likes. This one got 248 likes. This one got 108 likes. So it's not very, it's not very many. Not for, for having that for, many. Yeah, yeah. You're almost to a million. It's weird. Okay, this uh, email is from Josh. Hey, guys, I just wanted to add my two cents to the conversation regarding police culture and Anonymous's email in episode 422. I, too, studied criminal justice and absolutely believe the problem with police lies in hiring. From the very early stages of my academic career, a conservative tone was immediately set not only by my professors with officer training, but prosecutors and those with research backgrounds. Many of my peers were simply earning the degree as a means to become a police officer who clearly expressed desires to carry a firearm and make arrests. I remember a professor telling us the field of criminal justice and law enforcement sees very high dropout rates because the jobs aren't nearly as interesting as newcomers thought they would be. One of the most profound memories of studying criminal justice was when we were asked to separate into two groups, depending on whether or not we supported capital punishment. I was isolated in my opposition to the death penalty and was prompted to defend my viewpoint. My points about cost, due process, and irreversible consequence fell on deaf ears. This was in a criminal ethics class of all subjects. Mostly for those reasons, I also chose the private sector. By no means do I consider myself a sympathizer to criminals. As a financial crimes investigator for a bank, I see human trafficking and elder abuse and theft constantly, and it's an internal daily struggle to maintain composure as I'm mostly powerless to directly stop it. I even happen to be on the side of Ferguson, Missouri in the Michael Brown case based on the evidence. 
All of this to say, I think we absolutely have a problem with police misconduct because of hiring. Jesse, I'm not sure if I misinterpreted a point you made, but I do absolutely believe police culture fosters protection for officers and disdain for rats, which I think perpetuates the problem. Although I think this is an indicator of hiring issues, not training issues. Many think the job makes you a hardened, angry, tired person. I mostly disagree. I think many police officers enter the profession for the entirely wrong reasons. Thanks so much for all you do. Best, Josh. Well, thanks, Josh. You you didn't misconstrue a point that I made. That's that's it. I think you you added something there that I I really think would be great if we could somehow intertwine into police culture. And that is if the culture was about service and about nobility, being noble, being decent, and not this protect one another at all costs, we would avoid a lot of this because they would then have the charge to hold one another accountable. And that is not fucking happening right now in maybe any police department across the country. There is no admonition for accountability among the officers. Because if there were, when we see these cell phone videos, like you were talking about, Brittany, where one cop is being a jackass, and there's four other cops just sitting around with their hands in their pockets watching him be abusive, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. There would be accountability. Yeah. If a guy grabs his his PR his his uh his billy club mm-hmm. and starts to beat on someone. Yeah. The other cops would grab him off and say, "Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. You're now crossing the line. You're breaking the law, and I have a duty." Right. to protect and serve and be decent. Right. And that means stopping you if you're going to be a jackass. Yeah. So I agree. I appreciate it. And I think I've heard pushback from people on that point saying like that would cause a lot of stress on the officers. Oh, fucking boo That they have to like self-police and um, <laughs> feel like their their peers aren't supportive of them when they're out on the hard streets. <laughs> and that's part of your job. Yeah, maybe you so, picked the wrong gig if so you thought it was going to be fucking nursery school attendance. If you can't... Um, emotionally regulate if you can't be held accountable if you're afraid that people are going to see your behavior and think it's a problem and tell on you like that should be telling yes that you're doing something wrong yes that if you have to think a lot about what you're doing oh he's watching i need to behave differently again another sign (laughs) that maybe you're doing things wrong yeah um so I, I don't know what it's going to take to change, but I think having the conversation, the body cams, all of the um, scrutiny that is now on police officers when these videos come out, all of these things help move us in the right direction. For sure. And I, I think the next step is going to be different municipalities, not so much for the county sheriff position because that's an elected um, the voters really need to, to put some pressure to hire someone, to elect someone, I mean, who is... Uh, who has a good attitude about it, but you know, from from a, a city municipality level, th- that's a hired position, and mayors and city councils and citizenry need to put pressure on their elected officials to hire men and women in those jobs that do prize accountability and that are going to change the culture in a transformative way. So. Uh, that's that's where it has to start. It has to start from the top, because this kind of of change isn't going to happen uh, on the on the street level. Yeah, and Josh also mentioned that many of the people um, that were teaching the classes or in uh, positions of power um, that they were conservative, and I yeah. think that that does tend to be the case. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are in favor of abusing people on the streets or whatever. Um, but there are people that become hardened by their job. And and Josh said he doesn't think that that's the problem. But I think that in when you see people in those roles that have been on the job for decades and now they're teaching classes... I think they can be a little jaded. Sure, of course. Um, and they have. I think it's natural for that to happen, even. Yeah, that they have let their experience 
get in the way a little bit, um, that they have experienced a lot of terrible things. Maybe they did enter the workforce and want to really make a difference. And then they weren't able to make that difference. And it became frustrating. Kind of what Josh was saying about his own job, um, that he can't directly stop the things that he's seeing happening. And that's frustrating for him. Um, So I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things. Um, But hopefully we will see improvements to come. I mean, that's unfortunately, it's one of those situations where we do have to pin it on hopes right now, because until there's a movement, um, we are at the mercy of the men and women who are uniformed and have badges and guns and authority over our lives, whether or not they're a piece of shit or a decent, noble human being. So, And we have a lot of good cops that listen to the show. Of course we do. So that's good, too. Yeah. So, um, a little bit of follow-up. Things are not looking good for Harvey Weinstein. Now to new trouble for Harvey Weinstein. The disgraced movie mogul is now facing new sexual assault charges this morning, this time involving a third woman. ABC's Lindsay Davis is here with the details. And, Lindsay, these new charges could send him to prison for the rest of his life. That is right, Cecilia. Dozens of women have accused Weinstein of wrongdoing, including Hollywood actresses like Ashley Judd and Rose McGowan. But the previous indictment stemmed from allegations from only two women. Now there is a third accuser, a woman that Weinstein allegedly assaulted in 2006. That woman testified before a grand jury on Friday. Prosecutors are now charging Weinstein with two counts of predatory sexual assault. Each count carries a minimum of 10 years to life in prison if convicted. Weinstein pleaded not guilty to rape and other charges and is now free on a million dollars bail being tracked by an electronic bracelet. He will be arraigned on the new charges next week. His lawyer says that Weinstein will plead not guilty to those charges as well and said, quote, to charge Mr. Weinstein as a predator when the interactions were each consensual is simply not justified. But the district attorney not backing down, asking for more accusers to come forward, saying publicly yesterday, if you are a survivor of the predatory abuse with which Mr. Weinstein is charged, there is still time to pursue justice. Cecilia. Okay, Lindsay, thank you. It's pretty remarkable how fast this happened to him. And um, it, it's, it inspires hope, I think, yeah. that someone this powerful, this rich, um, this connected can still be held accountable for his behavior. I don't know how I feel that he's out on bail. Granted, it's a million dollars, but we're talking about serial sexual predation. Mm-hmm. It's not safe. I, I don't know that a normal dude would be on out on bail. If it were me and I was the judge, this motherfucker would be in jail awaiting trial. Yeah, well, we hear a lot about normal dudes who are out on bail when they shouldn't be um, in, in cases yeah. like this. So I think that that's... And they, too. I would not. Yeah. They would be in jail awaiting trial. I think that's trial. a fundamental flaw of the justice system that Especially allows... Especially when it's a violent... You know, it's not a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that allows um, men who are at risk of committing terrible crimes against women and men whoever um out on the streets it 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 should not be something that happens so that's that's happening um just another benefit of the me too movement which is fantastic and then um kevin spacey three more men have come forward and accused him of sexual assault and actually there was an interesting story in the news about guy pierce Hmm. who worked with Kevin Spacey on L.A. Confidential and said that Kevin Spacey was a quote-unquote handsy guy and said something like, luckily I was 29 and not 14. So he didn't really elaborate on what happened, but if you read into it a little bit, it sounds like Kevin Spacey put his hands on him and because he was older and, and I guess felt more capable... Um, he was able to stop it, maybe. Yeah. But he didn't go into detail. So that's another case that needs to see uh, the inside of a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that happens. All right. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. 
If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We do not have any new announcements to make, but we are trying to think of new merch ideas. So if you have an idea for a shirt that you would like to see or um, a sticker or a mug, go ahead and send us an email with your idea. Um, it doesn't need to be designed. You can just like say what the idea is. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Although if it's designed... Whew, that's taking a little work off my shoulders, yes. if you know what I mean. Yes, um, <laughs> but we do appreciate those of you that have purchased t-shirts, tote bags, and mugs on the Teespring site. If you would like to do that as well, you could go to dollamore.info and you will have that ability. And if you've purchased something, we, we just somebody just posted a picture uh, of their mug with, with the tea in there. Mm-hmm. With you know, drinking tea, not a letter T. Yeah, we would we'd love to see those pictures. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, for uh, sure. that's awesome. And as always, you can also shop on Amazon. Uh, that doesn't cost you any more. And if you're going to shop there anyway, you might as well help support the show, help produce the show, help move the conversation forward. All right. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, in the spirit of Independence Day, after we just got done talking about the pushing back against tyranny and um, you know g- getting out from under the yoke of the crown of England and um, an oppressive king and oppressive governance, Donald Trump isn't racking up much of a, a decent track record. In this regard, in the wake of all of the news about the immigration crackdowns, in the wake of all of the developments relative to him uh, treating uh, illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants and refugee seekers poorly, well, apparently that poor treatment isn't relegated to them. Driving down I-93 in New Hampshire, about 80 miles from the Canadian border, Justin Summers runs into a checkpoint operated by the U.S. Border Patrol. He starts recording. The Border Patrol agent tells him if he wants to keep driving south, he has to answer a question. Are you a United States citizen? Summer tells me he presented being stopped and interrogated. I indicate, hey, I don't want to answer these questions. I'd like to be on my way. That didn't happen. This is the area of the checkpoint. Justin Summers says when he refused to answer the agent's questions, they detained him and said they would hold him until he told them what they wanted to hear. In other words, indefinitely. The message to you is, if you don't answer this question, we're going to hold you on the side of the road here until who knows when. Exactly. It's, uh, it's kind of an intimidation tactic, I think. So I need you to pull over there? A tactic critics say is happening more frequently and far away from the U.S.-Mexico border, which has been at the center of attention when it comes to immigration. This is another checkpoint in New Hampshire Memorial Day weekend, and this was Maine just this month. If you want to continue down the road, yes, ma'am. We need to know what citizen, what country you're a citizen of. Hundreds, if not thousands, of individuals are being stopped, detained, seized, and interrogated without any reasonable suspicion, without any probable cause that a crime has been committed. And that's really not how our Constitution works. Do you have anybody in the trunk? The American Civil Liberties Union calls the checkpoints illegal and blames the Trump administration zero-tolerance immigration policy. And you don't have to live near a border to run into a checkpoint. By law, border agents can work up to 100 miles from the entire perimeter of the country. Two-thirds of individuals living in the United States actually fall within this, this, uh, within this 100-mile region. It gives us a chance to uh, see what's going on in our case, what's going on in our area. Sector Chief Dennis Harmon says the checkpoints aren't random but based on intelligence. He sees the questioning and detention of Americans as a minor inconvenience. It's no more of a stop or inconvenience than you have at a traffic light. The traffic light doesn't query me, though, as to my what I'm doing or why. True. But the, we're not asking you what you're doing or why. We're just asking you a simple question. Are you a citizen of the United States? Or of what country are you a citizen or national? But you will delay my moving forward until I give you some response. Which the courts have affirmed that we're allowed to do. The checkpoint in Maine did apprehend an undocumented immigrant. But Harmon couldn't say how many Americans had to be stopped and questioned to make that happen. 
Meanwhile, in neighboring New Hampshire, Justin Summers was eventually released and says he'd do it all again. After all, he lives in a state whose motto is live free or die. And I don't want to be a nation of checkpoints. I don't want to be a nation where you have to prove that you have the right to be where you are doing your daily activities. The U.S. Border Patrol up here says for now the checkpoints are going to continue. The ACLU has some advice if you run across one. As an American, you don't have to give an answer. But if you don't answer, be aware you'll likely be detained. And even though the law says you can only be detained briefly, well, your idea of briefly and the Border Patrol's idea of briefly could be very different. So answer me this. What in the fiddling fuck is going on in America? If you believe that your citizenship and the rights... Notice I don't say privileges, the rights protected by the Constitution of the United States. Listen, the government doesn't get to freely detain American citizens and ask them, are you a citizen? We have the right to move freely, to associate freely. You don't get to stop me and detain me for no reason. There isn't probable cause. Detainment is a form of arrest. If you're stopping me, you're not allowing me to proceed, that is a problem. So it's no longer fucking with undocumented immigrants. Now he's fucking with American citizens on these random checkpoints. They, deta- they, they got one undocumented immigrant. And like like the, the news guy was saying, I think Martin Savage is his name, CNN. Mm-hmm. How many American citizens had to be inconvenienced, their rights trampled upon, the heavy boot of the government on their neck? It starts with just detainment. There are natural next steps. There always are. Related to the government and their mistreatment of, of, of citizens. Well, and have you heard about this denaturalization task force? Uh, Goddamn, I hope that's not what it sounds like. So WNYC Studios um, is reporting this. The United States Citizen and Immigration Services is creating a new task force. Its goal to examine what they say are bad naturalization cases, according to Director L. Francis Cisna. Uh, and their June announcement. Huh. Um, oops, I just knocked the microphone into my face. <laughs> Happy Independence Day. <laughs> well, you're sitting like a freak. Yeah, I am. Um, so <laughs> you're 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 lay. I don't know how you you're like Gumby. You mm-hmm. you're, you bend anyway. It's like. If you had Kung Fu grip, you'd be an action figure. Okay, so they are going to be examining, quote-unquote, bad naturalization cases to find U.S. citizens, they say, should, quote, not have been naturalized to revoke their citizenship and then eventually deport them. Holy shit. Why is this not being talked about on every... Go- Why did we not hit lead off the show with this? It's, this- it's pretty... I mean, I... So you're talking about... Not just violating the rights of American citizens. Mm-hmm. A naturalized citizen, mm-hmm. it, the, the only thing they really can't do is become president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they could be Congress. They can be Secretary of State. This is a problem. They are via, they're going to be revoking citizenship of naturalized citizens. Right, and how? so how are they going to evaluate bad naturalization cases. Yeah. What does that mean? How is the government going to determine whether or not someone deserves their citizenship, deserves their status as a naturalized yeah. citizen? How are they going to determine that? What is the criteria? I don't even know. We're going to have to look into this. We certainly are. But I don't know by what process legally you can revoke someone's citizenship um, because of a bad case. Mm-hmm. And, and I would also say this, and we're going to move on. I would like to see the list after this thing takes place and just see how many how many white people have their citizenship, their naturalized citizenship revoked. Mm-hmm. 
versus how many people of color. Which leads us to the next topic, which is Donald Trump and race. It's no surprise that, well, Donald Trump's a racist. I think it's clear. I don't, I don't uh, have any, any uh, aversion to saying that out loud. I have no problem talking about it in videos. Donald Trump is a racist. He's proved it time and time again, despite what he would have you have uh, have you believe? You're racist. You're racist. You're racist. They keep saying it. You're racist. Donald Trump has a checkered history of very troubling behavior related to people of color, whether it be not renting them apartments, having uh, rental applications marked with a little C for colored. Well, I just I love when people do this. So he's complaining that he's always being called a racist. Yes. And there doesn't seem to be any time to pause and reflect on why that might be the case. Yeah. Is there something that you're doing that is maybe making people think that you're racist? That doesn't make you a racist. It makes you smart. It makes you an American. I mean, I don't know what he's talking about there, but that's a little alarming. Um yeah, you, you're being called a racist regularly, and you don't just say, oh, I'm so sick of being called a racist. <laughs> no, no, I'm not a racist. You evaluate why you're being called a racist, right? Yes. At least you should, well, I think. It, it, especially if it becomes a pattern. Mm-hmm. It, it, if I get told, you're, you're, a trans, you're transphobic, Jesse, mm-hmm. and I would say, no, I, I, I don't believe that to be true. I'm not. And then I hear it again. You know, after two or three times, I think I would be like, oh, shit, am I? Mm-hmm. Am I Am I demonstrating shitty or problematic behavior toward the trans community? Mm-hmm. I, would, I, would, I would process that. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump doesn't do that. Did you know, according to a new Quinnipiac poll, that 49% said they believe Donald Trump is a racist? 49% of Americans. We've got a lot of new polling. We figured we'd go over to the board and walk you through it. So first of all, today, three, count them, three brand new polls on the president's approval rating. And you can see it got kind of a range here. We got our own NBC News survey monkey. This is the high end, the high end today and really the high end of, of almost anything you're going to see. Trump sitting there at 48 percent in ours. Of course, the low end today came out around the same time, 40 percent. And then somewhere right in the middle, Politico morning consult, they found him at 43. If you average together every poll that's out there right now for Trump, he's sitting at a touch over 43 percent, about 43 and a half percent average approval rating. Republicans say they probably want him a little bit higher to have a chance to hold on to the House. Democrats, of course, they say, well, they maybe could win it at 43 and a half. They'd like him a little bit lower. It's in that sort of gray zone right now. It's nothing to write home about if you're Trump and a Republican, but of course it is better than it was a few months ago. But how about those issues? How about immigration? How have folks been interpreting what's happening? So first of all, the bottom line question here, how do you think the president has been handling immigration? You could see from that Quinnipiac poll there, 39, 39% approve of the way Trump has been handling this nearly 60% disapproving. But then Quinnipiac asked some other very interesting questions like this one. Trump's motive behind his immigration policy. I mean, this is, you've heard the rhetoric, these, these, the charge has been out there, certainly the way the president has talked about this has stoked incredible controversy. 50% say he has a sincere interest in controlling the border. 44% say he is motivated on immigration by racist beliefs, motivated in what he's doing on the border by racist beliefs. You could take it a step further. If if you're 44% say that, ask this question. Do you think the president is a racist? That was asked by Quinnipiac in the answer. 49% said yes, 47% said no. Basically, look at that divide right there, half and half, essentially. You can look at this in different groups. You know, among white voters, you have a slim majority saying, no, he's not, but 44% saying, yes, he is. Among black voters, almost 8 in 10 saying, yes, the president's a racist. Among Hispanic voters, you see there nearly 60% saying, yes, he's a racist. Again, you average all that together right there, right down the middle, asking that question, is the president of the United States a racist? This has got to be a bummer for Donald Trump, who loves dictators and wishes that we had a totalitarian government. Yeah. (laughs) Because he would like to have a 100% approval rating. He wants everyone to like him. He wants everyone to love him. And he doesn't understand why they don't. And this is part of why they don't. 
Okay, half of America thinks that he's a racist. I am the least racist person you've ever met. And part of it is he's having to even say those things. Yes. You also have him saying like he's the least anti-Semitic person you've ever seen in your entire life. That's yeah. a real quote. He said that in the White House. Yes. Um. No, no, I'm not a racist. I'm the least racist person you have ever interviewed. That I can tell you. He said it. I am the least racist person you have ever interviewed. I got them all, Brittany. <laughs> I got them all. That was really impressive. So he has had to say this many times. Right. Probably the least racist person on earth. And on earth, and Brittany. It's because of his behavior. It's because of the things that he says. It's because of the racist behavior and the racist things that he says. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Yeah, and you have 86% of Republicans that believe he's not a racist. Right. In this poll. And so you have to wonder, is he just going to care about that? Is he just going to hold on to that? Keep keep in mind this. He's running at about a 90% approval rating amongst Republicans. So there's a percentage of Republicans out there, 5, 4% or so, who approve of his of, of his uh his job performance and still think he's a racist. Think about that. That is that is a remarkable thing and very telling of the Republican Party that there's a per- percentage out there who eh, they don't really care about his racism. Well, in this poll, eleven um, percent of Republicans said yes, he is a racist. <laughs> and, it's even and, higher, and three percent said that he don't know. So, so eleven percent say he's a racist. Ninety-one percent, we're talking about Republicans, say they approve of his job performance. So that means. 11 or 12 percent are okay with him being a racist well no because we don't know if this 11 percent that said yes he is racist in this quinnipiac poll is uh, approve of him Hmm. we we don't know if this 11 percent of republicans that answered here yes he's a racist approve also approve of his job so i'm I'm intertwining two things that that don't necessarily right it's possible that they do sure but we don't know if this specific percentage there could just be people that answered the questions for quinnipiac and they said yes i'm a republican but maybe they didn't vote for him yeah but they are still a part of the republican party it is a lot well let's let's even just look at it this way it is a problem that we have a president that the question has to be asked in a poll. Do you think the president is a racist? Ser- seriously. Come the fuck on, everybody. It's pretty unbelievable that we are in this situation. That is remarkable. Yeah. No Trump, baby. But why would we think anything else? Because one... The whole birther fucking movement promulgated by Donald Trump. The fact that there were fine Nazis marching in Charlottesville. Fine people. They actually asked a question about that, too. Um, Do you think President Trump has emboldened people who hold racist beliefs to express those beliefs publicly? Or don't you think so? And 55% total said yes. That he has emboldened racists. 39% said no. So we have a majority here yeah. that are saying, yes, Donald Trump is emboldening racists to be more outspoken about their beliefs in public. Yeah, because it seems like every time you see a cell phone video of some asshole, they invoke the name of Donald Trump, and so, which is evidence of being emboldened by him. And so where are Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, is the Supreme Court nominee really this important? And the tax cuts. The entire country is being ripped apart and we're all divided and the racists are feeling emboldened because of Donald Trump and the majority of Americans believe that to be true. And where are you guys every time he says something? You instead comment on Maxine Waters. Right, right. That's That's who you go after. That's right. It's not even the fine people. It's, It's what he's doing with immigration right now. Targeting black and brown people. It's the shithole comments, the shithole country comments. So many things that have gone on related to race. Hell, on the campaign trail, refusing to disavow in the moment the KKK and David Duke. And now he is, he's, he's, he's continuing in his prolonged and protracted effort 
to tear apart the legacy of Barack Obama, the nation's first black president, by reversing Obama-era affirmative action policies. We are learning today that President Trump is planning to dismantle another Obama-era policy, uh, this on affirmative action. This is according to a source familiar with the president's plan. The Obama-era policy laid out legal guidelines for any schools looking to use race as an admissions factor to promote diversity on campus. Uh, Justice Department spokesperson tells CNN, quote, the executive branch cannot circumvent Congress or the courts by creating guidance that goes beyond the law. The Justice Department remains committed to protecting all Americans from all forms of illegal race-based discrimination. So we'll start there. I have with me Defense Attorney Sarah Azari and Civil Rights Attorney Charles Coleman, Jr. Great to see both of you guys. Thank you. Um, to you first, since I haven't seen you the longest. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you just on if a school wants to still use affirmative action in their admissions, they still can, correct? Absolutely. The law has not changed, mm -hmm. which is why this is very interesting as far as a political play from this administration. The law on affirmative action has not changed. Uh, the Supreme Court has not struck down affirmative action. The last case that went before the court, Justice Kennedy did, who's now retiring, obviously. He left it open. Did leave it open. He did leave it open, but it has not changed. And so we need to be very clear about that. What these guidelines from this prior administration did was simply explain to schools how they can ease, uh, most easily and most directly use affirmative action with respect to their admissions. What the, this current administration is attempting to do is basically to suggest that the Obama administration made it easier for affirmative action to be applied during admission, when in fact they did not. The law hasn't changed, and this is, in many respects, smoking where mirrors in a political play by the Trump administration. On the political play, we were just talking to Joan Biskupic about this, whoever the president selects, right, as his nominee, and obviously has to go through the confirmation process for the Supreme Court, but how will, how will all of that swirling affect this? Well, I, look, let me just first say this, is that... Um, this administration has a great disdain for diversity. I mean, what is happening here right now is very consistent with what the Trump administration has been doing. You've got, you know, the border, uh, brown people coming in, they're MS-13, they're criminals. Um, you've got the people in Charlottesville, the white supremacists who were fine people, as described by Donald Trump. And now you have a, a way by which they're trying to get rid of diversity on college campuses. Um, so I, I think this is... Uh, uh, this is absolutely consistent. It's a trend that we've been seeing. Um, and again, I, I agree with Charles in that the Supreme Court has twice upheld affirmative action. Mm -hmm. This is good law. So what they're doing is essentially, um, you know, a political, it's a political attack. And, and I really want to piggyback on that. This administration mm -hmm. has branded itself on two major things, and they're both different but related, especially in this instance. The first thing is, let's reverse any and everything that President Obama was able to accomplish right. during his eight years in office. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, let's appeal to our base by basically playing upon their fears on this attack of whiteness. Right. Exactly. It's like, make America white again. I mean, Absolutely. that's that's what's happening here. Listen. They're touching on something there that I think is very important, and that's the fact that, one, the law is not changing on this. The law is still the law relative to affirmative action. What they're doing is they're changing the policy guidelines, the recommendations on how schools should, should uh, operate. But they touched on another thing that is very important, and that is how brazenly political, maybe more than any other administration I've ever seen, how brazenly political Donald Trump is. He doesn't think about what's good for the country. And maybe we'll, we'll be set back po uh, politically if we do the right thing, but we're going to do the right thing no matter what. He doesn't think like that. Even though this doesn't affect the law, even though it's not going to affect affirmative action and its practice in America, he says we're going to roll it back because he knows in the act of being political, it's going to be a dog whistle to his racists, to the people he's emboldening, emboldening. And that is why this is a fucking problem. And so you have to wonder, what is it that is the theory behind all of this? <laughs> What's the uniting theory behind all of these decisions that um, even isolated seem problematic, um, seem going toward racism. Yeah. Um, but then you take them all together 
And it seems like you're you're starting to get a clear picture of a racist worldview. Exactly. Um, so if if that's not the explanation and the administration would want to counter that explanation, well, then I want to hear what the uniting theory is. What What is it? What is it that makes you go after affirmative action and border security and people who are already naturalized to see if there's any bad cases out there that you can revoke? Um, and talking about how there's good sides on both sides, good, good people on both sides. Good Nazis. Um, what is it about all of these things? What connects all of these things together? What is the theory? What's the motivating factor there? Racism. <laughs> I mean, that's it. What else is there? Some, somebody would say America first. And look, I'm all for protecting the interest of America. Affirmative action involves Americans. That is exactly right. That that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. Is it's which Americans does he want to help and which does he want to hinder? Oh, look at my my African American over there. Look, yeah. you have outliers, but on the whole, the overwhelming number of black Americans are opposed to Donald Trump. And his policies. Yeah, it's it's kind of like what we've been talking about, where you talk to people who say, well, they weren't born here, so I don't want them here. We, we need to help Americans first. It's like, oh, okay, so you want to help the Americans. Um, are you in support of um, programs that provide uh, food assistance to those living in poverty? No, fuck them. They need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Are you in favor of uh, granting people like housing vouchers to help them pay for their rent? No, I'm not going to pay for those freeloaders. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then it becomes this conversation of, well, is that really what it's about? Um, is it really that, oh, they're not Americans and we need to take a, a care of Americans first? Yeah. And then it comes to this place of, well, it doesn't sound like you, you want to take care of Americans first either. Well, it's like, oh, hey, black lives matter. No, motherfucker, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, we shouldn't be separating children at the border. All lives matter. No, America first. Oh, okay. Well, then let's take care of poor kids. No, fuck those free letters. It's it is an incoherent inco- policy that is steeped in racism and whistling dog whistles to his low information douchebag electorate. Donald Trump, baby. And with that, I think we'll end the show. Oh. It's a hashtag third episode week, Brittany It Page. is. It is. So we'll be back either Thursday night or Friday morning mm. for another action-packed episode where likely we'll be talking about uh, Representative Jim Jordan, the, the founder of the Freedom Caucus in the House, who is a seriously... Being accused of having protected a coach who was sexually abusing minors. Yeah, but I was going to say he is a, a crazy Trump guy. Oh, okay. Like he's... I thought you were searching for the words of how to no, explain what no, happened. No, no, no. That, that is certainly what happened. But he is uh, like number two behind Devin Nunes as far as running interference for Donald Trump. Mm. And we'll play some audio of him and Rod Rosenstein that just happened this last week. But... Uh, he, he's in some hot water right now. I, I don't know that he'll be able to survive this if it goes down um, the way that I hope that it goes down. The other thing that we'll talk about is the fact that the Senate Intelligence Committee, a bipartisan panel, has uh, agreed with the intelligence committee, uh, the intelligence community, and also disagreed with Donald Trump and his his uh, his um, sycophants that uh, Russia had nothing to do with it. That they absolutely had something to do with election meddling, and they picked their guy. That Donald Trump was the guy they chose. We'll talk about all of that and probably more on episode 424. So make sure you get those voicemails and emails in. We want to hear from you. If you have never called us, you've never written to us, well, we want to hear from you. So weigh in. Brittany's feeling uh, a little misty right now. Yeah, share your perspective. (laughs) Um, but seriously, we, we, it is Independence Day and we are super happy to have you guys. Um, we appreciate all of the support. We feel 
very lucky to be able to do this show and have people support us and write to us and share their thoughts with us. We we really consider it a privilege that you guys do that. And um, we we thank you for it. And even if, listen, if, if you send in a, 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 a voicemail or an email and it doesn't get read on the show and it doesn't get played on the show... Rest assured, it did get listened to. Brittany and I most certainly had a conversation about it, as we do with every single communication with the show. We're certainly not big enough that, uh, you know, the the dozens of, of voicemails and emails that we get between shows um, can't be read. So we dedicate time to it, and, and sometimes it just doesn't... Uh, it doesn't fit what we're doing on that particular episode. But still, we want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphones to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Happy Independence Day, everybody. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. You're racist, you're racist, you're racist, they keep saying it, you're racist.